Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com haunted. I'll see you there. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Haunted American History presents Seclusion Chapter 2 Betsy Is there any conceivable reason to believe that Annie committed those murders? Betsy? No. I'm sorry, but that's insane. My sister would never hurt anyone, let alone the things that happened. She, no, there's just no way, no way. She loved people. She loved animals. She loved so much. There's just no way. None of it makes any sense. None of it. We understand how difficult this can be for you. Hearing her speak, hearing her speak to you. We're just grateful to have your cooperation in this investigation. Sure. I just can't stress enough how insane it is to suggest she did those things. So your sister would record herself speaking as part of a writing process. Is that correct? She liked to record her thoughts as they popped in. Audio messages. Usually she would just make a ton of recordings, give it to her assistant, and they would type it all out. And then 
that's when she would really start to write. I think that's how she would get herself started to write something. Usually she would do it while walking. She loved walking. New York City. It's a great place to walk. Central Park is, but the city is noisy. I love it to visit. Annie loved it all the time. I think she liked the noise. But that's the reason she wanted to go away to write. No distractions. No people. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you ever been interested in writing? Me? No. All the creativity went to Annie. I No. Yeah, same with my brother. Oh, yeah. If you need a tire fixed, call me. If you need a website designed, call my brother. Not a creative bone in my body. I can relate. Yeah. Um, I can make a baked ziti that'll make your head spin. But if you need help with your movie idea, call Annie. What was Annie's first book about? Her first one or the first one that got bought? Let's start with the first one. I mean, she always wrote. The first book I remember her writing was in high school. High school. Wow. That's impressive. I know. Imagine being her sister. What was the book about? It was about aliens invading Earth, but they don't attack right away. They slowly take over people one by one. It's this long, sprawling kind of epic war story, sci-fi. What happened with it? She burned it. She burned the book? Literally. She said it was bullshit and burned it at a bonfire. Wow. You would think, keep it, you know, just in case. That's not Annie. When she's done, she's done. And it did kind of rip off Invasion of the Body Snatchers a little bit. And the book that got bought, what was that about? It was about a divorce lawyer who starts sleeping with her client. And then the client kills his wife. But the lawyer is in love with the killer, naturally. Was that a movie? Yes. With, um, what's her name? Sydney Sweeney. Right, right. And uh, the other guy, what's his name? Henry Cavill. Right. My wife loves that movie. All wives love that movie. Well, they love hating that movie. It's a hate watch. Annie mastered that. Maybe I should get the book for my wife as a gift. The book was better, and it bought me a honeymoon in Hawaii, so that was nice. Okay. If we can, I'd like us to listen to the next communication from Mrs. Singleton. This is document number 1023831C, dated November 30th at 10.21 a.m. Steve, would you play the tape, please? Okay. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Um, lonely housewife. Lonely big-breasted housewife. Little breast. Jealous of big breasts. Jealous of big breast neighbors. Neighbor. Serena. Selena? Selena. Selena, the big breasted neighbor. Shiny new Selena. Selena with her big, dumb, beautiful, light brown titties. <laughs> Betsy, do you mind? Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Steve, can you? Husband a little too eager to invite them over for dinner. Husband a little too eager to invite Selena and her husband, the new neighbors, over for dinner. A husband older, 
definitely not giving her what she wants. That's what her husband thinks of the other husband. I could give it to her better. I could give her what she wants. I could do it harder, faster. That's what the housewife thinks her husband is thinking. Protagonist's point of view. Uh, housewife sees what she thinks her husband sees. Husband, originally a nice guy, swell guy, never been the type. Mm. No, wait. He has been the type. Of course he is the type. He's always been the type. She knows that. It's part of the reason she's attracted to him, because she's always in danger of losing him to someone newer, hotter. Not the first time. It's not even the second time. He's done this before. But never this close to home. Neighbor. A fucking neighbor. This bitch. Sharing my street. Street I've been on for 20 years. The street my kids sold lemonade on. Lemonade sold to other neighbors. Neighbors who didn't have perfectly perky light brown titties. She's not going to let him get away with this this time. She's done letting him get away. This coffee sucks. Have you heard any of your sister's recordings before? No. She's very protective of that. Writing is sacred to her. I actually feel a little queasy listening to this. It doesn't feel right. Is being a writer a very isolating experience? I'm not a writer. But based on your conversations with your sister, would you say? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely an isolating lifestyle, especially as she got older and better at writing. She would withdraw more and more. She would withdraw? Yes. Can you expand on that? She would go out less. And if she did go out, she wouldn't stay out. Part of that was sobriety, mostly. It was just because she... I can't say for sure. Um, This is just my guess. I think... She became more comfortable being alone. Was she a social child? Yes, really. Until after her book was sold. That's when she started to withdraw. Before that, she was a really fun, funny hang. She used to love hosting parties and merging different friend groups. Always telling one friend about another friend that they should meet. She was a great host. She made everybody feel comfortable and funny. She made people feel funny, a great laugh, the best laugh. I'm sorry. Oh, don't don't apologize. Sounds like she was a great person. Is, is a great person. Are you all right to continue? Yeah, I'm fine. So we're going to continue listening through more of her recordings. The next one is document number 102383 d dated November 30th at 1155 a.m. Steve, the tape, please. A perfect serve. Where a racket snapped down on a serve was like thunder. People told her she was going to win Wimbledon. Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, the French... Um, what is a French? French, yes. It's French. Um, the French Open, Australian, all of them. They told her she was going to be one of the best of all time. She believed them. 
and she was only 22. But then she tore her ACL, and she was never really the same. Anytime people spoke about her, it was in the past tense. You should have seen her before she got hurt, they'd say. Oh, you should have seen the way she served. It was like thunder. You couldn't return her serve, the elegance and the power. Not to mention her body, the short shorts, the tank top, the hair twisted into a bun, that precious little bun men would picture pulling apart. She had style. Shit, she invented a style. And that moan? Mm, that moan. Every time she hit the ball, she would moan. Men would zone out while watching her, intoxicated by her moans, the pounding of her ball, the pounding of their balls. All these men, these fucking men, these men, these dumb fucking apes, telling themselves they had a chance with her, this pristine princess. Her torn ACL made her seem accessible, as if the wounds were an invitation for mediocrity. Her sponsors stayed, though, like leeches, sucking out every ounce of sex appeal they could squeeze through their fangs, because she still had that body. They didn't care about the ACL or the decline in rankings. Men didn't care either. The women did. A woman hated how much money she made off the court. They were better, but poorer. She began to lose trust. She became a commodity. And then she met him, the husband. Can you tell me about Annie's husband? Edgar. He was big in the tech world. Do you know specifically what he did in the tech world? No. Does anyone? How'd they meet? Her wife was a big fan of Annie. She dragged him to one of her book signings. He asked Annie where she got her glasses. Annie said it was a real moment between them. He was married at the time. Shocking. I know. Powerful men cheating on their wives. Did they have an affair? He finagled some fundraiser and invited Annie. Told her that his marriage was on the rocks and... And? They made whoopee. How would you categorize their relationship? He had money, lots of money, so he could take her to all the places she's never been, give her all the stuff she thought she wanted, but she didn't really care about that shit. Materialism. I think she just liked being with a man who didn't need her. All her boyfriends when she was younger were codependent, and that was draining, and Edgar had his own life much more than she even knew about. What did Annie not know about? He was never faithful. Always had his eye on someone else. Token powerful man. And what do you think attracted him to her? Annie's gorgeous. Not much to analyze there. You don't think there was something else besides her physique? I think he liked how much other women liked her. Annie's books were catnip for women. Especially rich women, rich suburban women who had no real lives of their own. Annie knew that. She wanted, she knew how to tap into what they wanted. Edgar loved having her on his arm as a trophy. If he had Annie, he had other women's attention. And how long were they together? About seven years. 
but they're still married, technically. Ironing out the details about how much money she would get in a divorce, so they say. You don't believe that? I think they still see each other for Whoopi. Do you think Edgar would ever wish to cause harm to Annie? No. He's an asshole, but he's not dangerous. You don't believe Edgar is concerned about the settlement he may have to give her? That's not his first divorce. He's used to this. I actually think he likes it. Likes what? The attention. If he gets divorced, it means women will know he was married to Annie. The Annie Singleton. The literary vibrator of a million suburban women. Can I get some coffee? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, let, let's, take a, let's take a brief break. Hey, folks. You guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history. Unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion. It's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com slash haunted. That's masterclass.com slash haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. One, two. One, two. Sound good? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. <clears throat> this is document number 1023831C, dated November 30th, 3.49 p.m. Steve. It was good. She hated that it was good, but it was. It was really good. As good as it's ever been. As good as she can remember. Taking her from behind in her kitchen as she was loading up the dishwasher. The setup was eerily similar to a recent porn she watched. Well, he watched. She saw his browsing history. Each one was about women getting fucked in a kitchen. Except in the porn, it wasn't a husband. It was a personal trainer. And it wasn't the wife. It was a stepmom. The porn was good, but this was better. It hadn't been this good in years. And well, she knew why. Her. They had her and her husband over for dinner. Her and whatever his name was. He didn't matter. Not to her. To her. There was only her. Selena cunt wearing her 
faux wrap style wrap around sash to cinch your waist with adjustable spaghetti straps, littered with flowers over soft purple. Her breasts were perfect. Her breasts were proof God is a man, because no female God would make another woman stare at tits that perfect. He used the good wine. The really good wine. The Domaine Roy Le Biemont. Von Romane Premier Cru from France. He said it was a gift. He felt bad, he said, you know. He felt bad for giving them regifted wine. Wine that runs $6,172. Our cellar isn't a, a trophy case. It's meant to be enjoyed. He said that to her. The same thing she said to him when he said he didn't want to open the from France after her sister and her husband got engaged. No. I guess my sister's tits weren't perky enough. But that was a long time ago. Now, all she could think about was how mad that he'd made her come. Steve, you okay? Drop, drop my glass. Sorry. Well, you're not the first man who's dropped their glass listening to Annie speak. Your sister's very talented. 29% of her audience are men. Is that high? For erotic thriller novels? It's God level. All right. Can we pause and find a broom? Okay. Let's continue with document 1023-831. If Steve is ready. Yes? Okay. Where he kissed her neck, where he grabbed her waist and pulled her tightly against his crotch. You could feel him. Him. The man she married. The man she married was not her husband. The man she married was not her husband. And there he was, cupping his hand over her mouth, trying to subdue her moans, her rapid breathing, warming up his fingers. Fingers that would slide down her dress in her kitchen while the maid was still cleaning in the kitchen. They knew she could walk in. And they hoped she might walk in. So they used to love fucking in places where someone might see them. Bar bathrooms, parking lots, movie theaters, but never their new kitchen. The new kitchen that she designed after he bought the dream house. The kitchen design that became her project. Something to keep her occupied while he worked. Worked. Late nights. Long weekends. Somehow her kitchen became off-limits for sex. She felt her body becoming off-limits over time. The only sex they had now was on winter Sunday morning when he was forced to stay home. Eleven pumps. She counted last time, wondering if he could go 15 rounds. She knew it wasn't because of her. It was because of her. It was just a matter of time until it wasn't her in her kitchen. It would be her. Her. In her kitchen. Just a matter of time. A matter of time. A matter. Is that a cigarette? Betsy? Can you rewind? That was a cigarette, right? 
a matter of time. A matter of timing. A matter that was a cigarette. She told me she wasn't smoking. She told you she wasn't smoking. She told me in our conversation right before this. I mean, you guys heard it, right? Hmm. You said you two, you never lied to each other. Seclusion. Written by John Sachs. Starring Alexandra Gomez, Elena Delia, and Christopher Feinstein. Supporting voices provided by Mia Christinis and Justin Feinstein. This has been a Yes Have Some production. Yes, have some.